This week's episode of Aliens Explored is dedicated to our Explorer of the Week, Jonathan Perna. Jonathan has become one of our Patreons and is supporting us financially to help uh, do what we love doing and which we know you love as well. Um, if you want to become a Patreon and explore all sorts of um, offers we have at different levels, then uh, follow our link to patreon.com forward slash aliens explored, where I'm sure you'll find something that will that will suit your, your appetites and your budget. Thank you again, once again, Jonathan Perna for being our Explorer of the Week. Aliens Explored is a podcast exploring famous and obscure cases of UFO sightings, alien abductions and other strange events from both a believing and a sceptical perspective whilst keeping an open mind. I'm Stu Jackson, a professional actor and amateur ufologist with a particular interest in the crop circle phenomenon. I'll be debating that otherworldly visitations are real. The truth is out there. And I'm Neil Kelly. I'm a professional actor as well and used to work for the military as an intelligence analyst. I'll be arguing from a more doubtful point of view. I mean, it's all a bit far-fetched, isn't it? On April 24th, 1964, Police Sergeant Lonnie Zamora discovered a strange O-shaped object attended by two humanoid figures. But what did Sergeant Lonnie Zamora really see that day? Was it a military test vehicle, or perhaps a student prank as has been suggested? Or was it really one of the best documented UFO sightings in US history? Join us on Aliens Explored as we investigate the 1964 Socorro UFO incident. Welcome back listeners to Aliens Explored, your weekly podcast where we look at UFOs, extraterrestrials, uh, all manner of weird and wonderful things. I'm one of your weird and wonderful hosts, Stu Jackson. And... I'm your, your staid and sensible host, um, <laughs> Neil Kelly. <laughs> the voice of reason. Is this how the you're vo- marketing The voice of reason, now? yes, I am. <laughs> I've had enough of being out there. <laughs> it's lonely. It can uh, be at times, but hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here. I'm going to be just like, I'm going to be just like everybody else. <laughs> mm. Do you know what? I used to have a T-shirt. I've been thinking about getting one again that said... Um, you laugh at me because I'm different. I laugh at you because you're all the same. <laughs> I like that. That's a bit confrontational, mate, I have to say. It is. That's not, yeah, it is a bit it's, it's more mean-spirited than I normally get. But, hey, when you've been laughed mm. at as much as I have in I, Actually, I mean, that could have racist connotations. If you were walking through Brixton and you were the only white person saying, you're laughing at me because I'm different, I'm laughing at you because you're all the same... You, uh, the, you all look like each other. That you know, the idea that was based on that that could be a race thing never yeah. occurred to me at all. Oh my! You got to be very careful. <laughs> There's a lot of nuance out there. There's yeah. there is definitely nuance. Oh my goodness! For our for our non-British listeners, I, I live in Brixton in southwest London, which has a, a very very large African and Afro Caribbean community. Mm. So, um, yes, yes, we, uh, well, it's a multicultural environment. I think London, it, it, generally speaking, is is really 
diverse, isn't it? It's very diverse. I, I don't think there's any city in the world that's more diverse than London. I don't think even even New York, in terms of the number of ethnicities, the number of languages, the number of cultures that you're you're just stumbling over all the time. Right, right. I mean, I'm not that well. Tra- I mean, I'm going to Chicago fairly soon. Um, hmm. Okay. Uh, anyway, you've been, you have been out and about quite recently, have you not, Neil? I've been working. I've been I've been earning a living, and I worked on a job that actually has some some relevance to this show. Um, mm. I've got a couple of days' work on a show that's on Apple TV called Invasion, and it's about an alien invasion, um, you know, sort of a sort of war war of the worlds type thing. Um, where I played well on on day one, I played a refugee, and uh, although I was wearing my thermals, I could not believe how cold it was. I thought I'd overdress. I thought, well, I, I'll probably be too warm. But when you're doing background work, it's basically, well, sit here and that actually, <laughs> I was sitting in a soup kitchen. And when the camera came near, I had to pretend to eat soup. Well, I didn't pretend, I didn't actually put it in my mouth because it had all congealed by the time they got to me. But we're on the edge of this lake with this wind blowing right across the lake and straight onto us. It was, it was freezing. Day two though, well, a lot of people got laid off after the first day. They reduced the number of um, supporting artists from 400 to 250. Um, I was quite jealous of the ones who'd been released. <laughs> I wish I, <laughs> I've got to come back here again tomorrow. And then, uh, and then I said, oh, yeah, it's a 5 a.m. call time. It's meant I had to get up Ooh. at 3 a.m. To, to, to get down the road to get the bus just after after 4 a.m. to get onto the you know, night buses aren't that frequent so you can't if you miss it it's another half an hour on the next one so i had to make sure that i was on time but things were much better on the second day um the food was better the the organization was better and they also realized that they'd um released all the people who were playing patients so they suddenly said right we um, we don't need you as a refugee today we want you to be a patient so i had to go to makeup get gory makeup put on my face and spent the day in bed Right, which uh, which 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 is what I was in the mood for actually, and until until the end of the day when it was quite warm and sunny, and um, we were outside watching a UFO get destroyed. Um, right, actually, is that a spoiler? Is anyone out there watching this series on Apple TV? It's series two now. Um, I, I don't well, know. Is it a, much of a spoiler that a UFO gets destroyed? Um, would that be much of a spoiler? I don't know. I mean, I got the impression just working as a as being a refugee in in this huge refugee camp that they've uh, they they built in Burgess Park, um, which is where I had to go for my COVID testing as well on Saturday and Sunday. And when I first saw it, I thought it was real. I thought oh, well, there's a real refugee camp here in in the park. I thought you were going to say the UFO was real. Yeah, be, being <laughs> being run by being run by the World Defense Coalition, and uh, mm. I thought I never heard of that, but. Um, and then, of course, I realised, oh, yeah, <laughs> ref- I'm, being, I'm going to be playing a refugee. This is the refugee camp I'm going to be in. Do you want me to censor out the bit where you potentially give a spoiler? Um, I don't know. Is it is a potential spoiler? I, mean, I don't know. I, I know we're, know. <laughs> we're not supposed to talk about what we're doing. We weren't allowed to, not supposed to take any pictures or videos or anything like that. No. But um, I think to just say that no, we watched the UFO get... Um, get destroyed 
Well, that probably happens a fair bit in this. You're not saying who destroys it. You're not saying how it gets destroyed. You're not saying what it looks like. I'm not even going to tell you what my emotional response to seeing a UFO destroyed by a nuclear warhead just a few hundred feet above my head was. (laughs) (laughs) Not much, I would have thought, if it's a nuclear warhead. They say that, you know, kind of, the best place to be if there's a nuclear bomb goes off is right underneath it. Ground zero. Yeah. 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 Mm. You won't mm. feel a thing, apparently. That's going a bit dark. That's going a bit dark. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so you had a lovely time, lovely cold time on set. I had a lovely cold time. It did, a nice lots day of, in bed. Loads of COVID testing, lots of COVID marshalling. They're very, very, even though officially all restrictions have been eased, they were very, very hot. We had to be tested on Saturday, again on Sunday, then when we turned up for work on Monday, then we turned up for work on Tuesday, and all the time we're on set, any time the cameras weren't rolling, there were people going around saying, put your mask on, put your mask on. It was Glad masked to on hear it. All, all the time. Even if you're sat there having a drink, they would say, that someone would come up and say, um, since, you've, since you've taken another sip, put your mask on. I'm glad to hear it because, yes, of course, uh, at the time of recording, restrictions were lifted here in the UK a fortnight ago. And, uh, and of course, we are seeing cases starting to go up through the roof. We are starting to see people admitted to hospital going up through the roof. And in a couple of weeks' time, we'll start to see people dying going up through the roof as well. Who um, would have predicted that? Oh, well, Who we would have did. predicted that? So uh, just a a quick note to one person who I hope is listening to this episode. Fuck you, Nick Pope, you (laughs) anti-mask. Anyway, (laughs) not a fan. Mm. Not a fan. We talk. I, I, I'm, I'm getting obsessive about Nick Pope, and it's not. How right. many people have died because of his advice? Oh uh, well, it's not. I mean, yeah, I don't think he's that influential, to be honest. But he perpetuates the whole. Mm. Oh, you know, people are free to make their own health. Well, I'm not. Yeah, you're free to make your own health decisions. You're not free to make decisions that affect other people. You know, well, if, if, they are by by. Mm. People being allowed to not wear masks, they are free to make decisions that affect other people like me. Yeah, because uh, wearing I, a mask is about protecting other people, not about protecting yourself. Uh, yeah, and, and I don't accept that. I mean, I, I know it's become hugely political in America. There's a big drive um, for for children not to wear masks to schools in certain certain states, certain districts, and. It, there's been a campaign, I think it's called My Child, My Choice, saying, you know, this is my child, I'll decide whether they'll wear a mask or not. Yeah, but that decision affects other children who aren't yours. Yes, yes. Yeah, exactly. So you're being a little bit selfish here. <laughs> a little, uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that's not what we're here to discuss. How, how, many, <laughs> listeners have, how many listeners have we just lost? <laughs> so, Goddamn yeah. penny waste liberals going on about well, you know, no, if you if you it's disagree with us, listeners, write in and let us know. Let uh, us have it, both yeah. barrels. Uh, we will give you the details for getting in touch with us at the end of the show. So you get how you basically have to listen to our opinion for half an hour first. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the price of being able to listen. Ha- however, we, we we do concede that we are again a little bit off topic right now. That we're actually here to talk about something else. So you're not going to just listen to half an hour of us ranting on about. We- we do have listeners Mask. who play drinking games where they take a drink every time we digress. So, do they? Uh, to those God. people, uh, we're not being responsible for your um, Alcoholics Anonymous bills. No, or, <laughs> or, and we won't pay for your liver transplant. 
Exactly. But yes, we are here to talk about uh, this event back in 1964 in Socorro in New Mexico. Um, had you heard of this event, Neil? Um, Prior I, to us? I don't think I'd even heard of Socorro, New Mexico. Okay. You've heard of New Mexico, obviously. I've heard of New Mexico. Famous yeah. for UFO events is New Mexico. Yes, it is. It's right there on the on the on the on the UFO highway, isn't it? It, it is. Um, and yeah, this is twenty uh, fourth of April, nineteen sixty four, early evening, five forty five p.m. It all starts off uh, when we've got a police officer. Now, again, we, uh, uh, this comes up quite often with UFO reports. A police officer, so a highly credible witness again. Um, so Lonnie well, Zamora. Well, that's, that's okay. really, oh, you're going to challenge this. <laughs> Go yeah, on. Um, I mean, I, I know we tend to accept um, the testimony of people like police officers and military personnel as as sound and unlikely to be given to fanciful, imaginative um, embellishments. Yes. Um, but uh, my experience with soldiers... Being in the army is that they will they will invent all sorts of shit. Okay, um, I I get that. I think what makes them so in 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 my head, what makes police officers particularly um, mm. good witnesses is these are people accustomed to making observations, writing down factual reports upon them. Far mm. more, I mean, they do it on a daily basis as part of their job compared to a civilian. Mm. Um, so I think that in of itself, they're probably more observant. Uh, they're probably more likely to keep to facts and um, less inclined towards hyperbole. Well, um, but there's also a lot of evidence that they they will they will alter they will alter their story. Um, if 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 there's a if there's a verse of events in which they look bad, um, then they will they they've been <laughs> it's there are plenty of cases where they've they've changed that they've 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 decided I, that, that that they were the yeah they were responding professionally and correctly and it was the other person who was in the wrong the per the guy that they beat to death or shot or do you know what I'm I'm taking that on board and I agree with it but I'm going to turn that on its head a little bit and say, especially in the 60s when you had a Mm. lot of sort of toxic masculinity going off. Mm. Um, I mean, you you still have to a degree, not as bad as it was back then, though. Um, And you would have people ridiculed for reporting UFOs. So I would say they're less likely to report a UFO formally. Mm. Uh, as a result of that, so when they do report one, I think that makes it even more credible in my view. That exact thing you're talking about, mm. that like that that um, proclivity to change the facts or to change what they've seen to suit them, because uh, mm. they might get either get into bother or be ridiculed. Yeah. And we also spoke in our last episode about a proclivity to become more aware of UFOs, having just seen a movie about UFOs, having just seen Close Encounters of the Third Time, which which provoked uh, a spike in sightings or the X-Files in the late 1990s, which suddenly 
pe- people suddenly became more aware or more likely to report um, extra, paranormal and extraterrestrial phenomena. Um, we're looking at yeah, April 1964. Now, when did that show The Invaders come out? I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> uh, um, I'm I just think that was it. more late. I remember it being in colour, so I'm thinking either late 60s. Mind you, even Star Trek was late 60s. Well, I watched it in black and white, so... Oh, okay. It, yeah, it but ran... is that because you had a black and white TV? Yeah, now? because... Yeah. <laughs> for, for, our, for our American listeners, um, very few people in Britain had colour TV before the mid-1970s. Um, it ran for two seasons from 1967 to 1968, so he hadn't just... Let's establish he hadn't just seen the show, which um, which started every episode with a guy taking a shortcut on a lonely country road and seeing a massive flying saucer landing. I mean, this isn't quite what happened in this case, though, because mm. um, Lonnie Zamora he he receives a radio call to investigate a potential uh, RTA road traffic accident. Mm. Um. He'd seen it looked like sort of uh, basically a big fireball go up. Mm. So he'd wondered if um, there was a local dynamite factory had exploded. Mm. Um, he goes out and sees this shiny object, but he said it was shiny like aluminium, mm-hmm. or he would have said aluminium. Um, Which is actually, for, again, for the benefit we've... of our Americans, <laughs> aluminum is more correct than aluminium. We've done that one. <laughs> I still call it aluminium. Um, yeah, uh, but, but more like that than chrome. So it wasn't reflective, mm. but it was shiny. Um, mm. A spherical object. Uh, he sees two humanoids in white one-piece, like basically white onesies, Mm-hmm. Um, but they're small. He, he, he described them as being like small adults or large children. Right. He sees this blue and orange flame coming from underneath it. It shoots up into the sky and then zaps off. Does he say shoots up into the sky and, and zaps off? Uh, that's that it actually uh, it travelled fast. No, it, it certainly travelled fast. Uh, quickly moved away mm. is the official. It rose and then quickly moved away. So, so what was the big explosion that he saw? Uh, that was no idea. Nobody seems yeah, to know. S- but if this object, if this vehicle was using um, thrusters, if it was using ignition to mm. take off, presumably it would use ignition to arrest its descent as well. Would it, if it was using anti-gravity drive, would it? Where, where <laughs> have you got anti-gravity massive... drive from? Well, well <laughs> it wouldn't don't, need don't a they all use, Don't they well, all use anti-gravity drive? I mean, all these UFOs have got whizzing yeah. around at, at, at phenomenal speeds without any sign of propulsion. Here we got one that's you know, straight out of Flash Gordon. <laughs> so blasts yeah. off. And, and Well, that's it. You know, it, it takes off with visible sign of propulsion. And, 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 and roasts anyone who would have been standing within 100 um, feet of it. Presumably. So one... 
I would make the assumption if it needs ignition to take off, then it would need ignition to arrest its descent as well. Mm. I don't think that's an unreasonable um, two plus two to to make. Uh, yeah, so it's an unusual one. It's an unusual one, and and the the, the attempts to explain it away aren't particularly credible. Um, two two of them were, or one of them was. Um, that it was actually people testing a lunar landing device, um, that people from the White Sands missile range you know, in preparation for the the, the the lunar missions were still a few years off, but obviously they were they were working out how they would get down to the moon, mm-hmm. uh, looking with the lunar lander, and which doesn't sound very credible because we know the lunar lander wasn't anything like egg shaped, and it would have had. I think this thing had feet, didn't it? it had landing gear, so it landed. Um, and another another explanation was that it was just students from um, a local school um, playing a prank. That's a hell of a prank if they can create a vehicle, a spherical vehicle that rises up into the air and shoots yeah. off. Well, that's the a hell pres- of a prank. <laughs> well, the, 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 the then president of New Mexico Tech, a guy called Sterling Colgate, um, observed, said that the object observed by Zamora was, quote, a candle in a balloon, not sophisticated. Um, I don't imagine a candle in a balloon would take away, would rise very fast. No. Um, I, mean, I mean, the way he describes it, it sounds not unlike a hot air balloon. Mm. And certainly you can get hot air balloons in all kinds of shapes and sizes. Um, I used to live in a city in, here in the UK called Bristol. Mm. And every year they have what's called the Bristol Balloon Fiesta, where people from all over the world come with their hot air balloons. You get hundreds and hundreds of them. Mm. And they are all, a lot of them are sponsored by companies. So you get like them shaped like houses and um, yeah, weird and wonderful Glasses shapes. of beer. And- exactly. Um, and it's an amazing sight to see. Um, mm. But yeah, but the way he describes it, you know, it's, it's spherical. It's got this blue and orange flame underneath it my immediate thought was that sounds like a hot air balloon but then he sees these two people next to it it, it doesn't describe any kind of basket um, no, they, they actually got inside it. it they actually get inside it now that get potentially zeppelin um, yeah, but with the Zeppelin, you're still riding in something underneath the, the balloon, aren't you? I thought with the Zeppelin, you could walk inside the large container, the the, the large part. Um, I, I'm not sure. Well, you mean the, there's actually... There's, the inside the, the balloon the, itself. There are walkways between the gas bags. Maybe, I don't, I don't know. I was Whenever I've seen pictures of Zeppelins, they seem to have all the, all the sort of um, crew and... and well, everywhere that people would be sort of suspended beneath the, the balloon right, right? rather than walking around inside it. Okay. Because that, um, be, that would be more difficult to to um, to um make, wouldn't it? Something where, where why would you want to, why, why do you want to be inside the balloon? I mean, there's gas, which, you know, presumably you want to breathe normally and you don't want to be breathing, is it helium? Oh. Hydrogen, hydrogen, isn't it? Um, it's well, helium is helium is safer. Helium is is less 
less flammable. Mm. Um, hydrogen can be very explosive, as, as as the people on the Hindenburg Zeppelin found out. But yes. um, it, it's not as explosive as it's made out, um, as they found when when Zeppelins were bombing London in the, and other targets in the First World War. They were extremely difficult to shoot down because you need to you need to mix the hydrogen with the air with oxygen, mm. um, so you need to make a big hole in it to, in, and for your incendiary rounds to be able to ignite the gas inside. And um, that, that it was, I think it was in 1916, um, a pilot who he won the Victoria Cross for this. Um, he had a specially adapted plane with with a, a machine gun that pointed as he was sat in the plane. The machine gun pointed straight up mm-hmm. rather than forwards. And he would fly under the Zeppelin, obviously receiving fire from the Zeppelin, but he flew underneath it so that he could maintain a constant speed and fire a sustained burst of um, alternate um, armor-piercing and and incendiary rounds, a, a long sustained burst into the same spot to open it up and eventually manage to get a fire going and and brought the Zeppelin down. But, right. yeah, it's not it's not an easy thing. That's why it's it's... It's long been suspected that the, the Hindenburg was sabotaged, that it was actually a bomb on board that, that set it off. Okay. There's a conspiracy um, about that, like everything else. But yeah, this this seems this seems like a smaller object. I mean yes. I'm looking at this this artist's impression of the UFO based on claims by Zamora. It's really not very big. Um it, yeah, it's a capsule. I'm, I'm, and it, I'm dismissing that picture completely because this is not to my knowledge, been um, Lonnie hasn't said, "Oh yes, that's what it looks like," or anything like that. This is purely someone coming up with that from their imagination, and it's uh, it's one of those cases where Wikipedia will put an image there simply so that it shows up in searches. Okay, so anyone who's anyone who's going onto Wikipedia or other sites looking at this, um, it's. <laughs> Don't trust the picture. Disregard because, the uh, image, yes. As you know from watching hot air balloons coming over the Clifton Suspension Bridge in Bristol, um, a balloon has to be pretty big to, to lift a person. It really does. Just, just with hot air. It really yeah. does. However, I mean, from the description that he gave, uh, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disregard a balloon and certainly a balloon with a candle in um, but mm. you haven't mentioned uh, what is maybe the most compelling uh, explanation of all put forward by UFO skeptic Stuart Campbell who suggested that what Lonnie saw was almost certainly a mirage of the star canopus <laughs> I mean what a fucking bollocks can you yes. get <laughs> It's a mirage from a star. Mm. What? Yes, that'll create people in white outfits. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, this story gained great credence. A few years later, the president of Socorro County's Chamber of Commerce um, proposed developing um, the site of the, the claimed UFO encounter so that tourists could come and see it. Um, so stone walkways and steps were built into mm. something called an arroyo. I think I'm pronouncing that right, arroyo, which is a kind arroyo. of... It's like a it's like a dry gulch, um, well, well, a dried riverbed, which which will then flood when the when there's heavy rain. Or uh, water is it level connected rises. with the word arid? I guess so. Arroyo is dry. Mm. Um, Just a uh, and and a rock walkway circling the the supposed landing site and wooden benches. But apparently they were built 
a quarter of a mile away from the actual site of <laughs> Z- of Zamora's alleged sighting because of local rumours that the original site was contaminated by radioactivity. Um, why would they rely on rumour before the signal? We better not build it there because I've heard a rumour it might be radioactive. And that's something you can easily check, isn't it? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick my tinfoil hatted head on with this and say I think that was a rumor put about by the government conspiracists to keep people away from the this landing site um so they didn't go near it and either contaminate it by mm. you know or or you know while they did their investigations or basically people didn't go and find the truth or maybe yeah. it was genuinely radioactive from the landing itself. Mm. Who knows? Well, you can easily check. Imagine it's not hard to get a Geiger counter and see if there's any. It's not. I've got one. Yeah, there you go. I've got one. I use it as part of my crop circle. Of course. Um, yeah. Investigation. So, so did anybody else see this craft? Not that I'm aware of. His colleague, Sergeant Chavez, arrived a bit later, and um, when he arrived, um, Zamora led him to some burning brush, and and other police officers arrived, and they noticed patches of smouldering grass and brush. Um, So you've got evidence of it having been there, albeit circumstantial uh, evidence. It's not conclusive evidence. You've got evidence of a fire. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. But do you know what? It's that time in the show when we summarise our thoughts on the event. So, Neil, what do you think? Lonnie Zamora, was he making it all up? Did he see something that he misinterpreted? What? You tell me. Um, I'm going to come down firmly and say, I don't know. He says he saw something. Who am I to say, no, he didn't? I mean, it's nearly 50 years ago. Poor old Lonnie Zamora sadly has since died. Um, he he got so fed up with people asking him about this that uh, he took a job managing a, a, a gas station, petrol station for our English listeners, and died in 2009 from a heart attack. So um, I'm not going to speak ill of the dead. I don't know what he saw or what he thought he saw. Um, I, the, the attempts to explain it away seem laughable. Mm-hmm. They they seem less credible, or certainly at, at odds with his description of what he saw. Um, I don't think they're they're credible explanations. Maybe may the testing of a lunar landing device, but I think no, that's I that's probably the in in my head the most credible of them all. I, I don't think it is because I've seen the documentary footage of testing lunar landing devices, and they didn't actually fly them very far. They just had to learn how to how to control them, to basically yeah. get it up into the air, hover it a bit, then bring it down um, in a way that doesn't doesn't kill you. And in fact, like flying a house brick. <laughs> uh, apparently it was very hard to control. There's, there is footage of, uh, is it Neil Armstrong trying to fly one? He loses control and he presses the eject button and the thing crashes and explodes. It were very hard to oh, I hadn't fly. seen that. They, they mm. certainly wouldn't have been taking it for a spin around the surrounding countryside. No, but... Could have been a prototype one that was later rejected or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm, mm. 
Pure and, hypothesizing. And the, the, the humanoid figures that he saw, are we getting into the whole, now these people are very small and these people are far away? Kind of. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what he saw? Was that just his like perspective? Father, Dad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these cows are very small and these are far away. Um, yeah. Um, oh, could it be a question of perspective? Well, I get, I mean, as a police officer, he's trained to make observations. I, I think I like mm. to think if it was a matter of perspective, he'd have been aware of that. Mm. I'd like to think. Well, I, I for one, um, I believe it. I think, yeah, he has seen an extraterrestrial, for want of a better term, or extra dimensional or extra temporal device, a uh, vehicle. Um, it it is a bit odd that it's come with this flame, using a, a, a kind of mm, a uh, form of propulsion that we'd be familiar with on Earth. Uh, that I find strange, uh, but it's not the first time we've heard that from UFO reports either. So, um, mm. yeah, and and it's not like you know when we t- when we talk about these extraterrestrials or these e- EBEs. Uh, extra biological entities or extraterrestrial biological entities. Mm. We're not just necessarily talking about one species. There could be hundreds, thousands of different species out there visiting. We just don't know. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think he's definitely seen something. Uh, I think his reaction to it as well, that, you know, he, he, he wanted to keep his head down later in life and, you know, he got sick of people asking about it. Suggest you know he wasn't doing it for fame or glory or anything like that, mm. um, because people have done that and then mm. really not enjoyed the kind of notoriety that that that, oh. that follows and the the, you know, the the subsequent interrogations and Absolutely. lie detectors. Sorry, polygraphs. <laughs> Let's not go down that route again. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think I think this is a genuine case. Um, but what do you think, listeners? We always want to know what you think about these these events. Uh, so do write in and let us know. You can email us, aliensexplored.gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored. But the best way to get in touch and have a good conversation with us about these events is through our it's very special Discord channel where we can chat directly and you can chat with other people who are like-minded. Now, there is only one way to get access to this Discord channel. That is by becoming one of our Patreon patrons. And you get access at any level. We have nine different levels, uh, starting with a pound a month, um, all the way up to a huge whopping one, um, and lots of things in between. Lots of lots of different rewards. So go over to patreon.com forward slash aliens explored and check that out. Um, yeah. Uh, so we love to hear what you think. Join us next time, though, when we're going to be hypothesizing and speculating on something, Neil. I know I haven't. This is this is the first I've heard of it. Yeah, I what know it is. You, I've yeah. not normally. I tell you in advance what our, st- oh. our subjects are going to be, but uh, it's actually something you raised quite some time ago, and I thought, Do you know what, we're going to talk about this one day. We are going to be discussing why is it 
that the media are so obsessed with anal probes. Oh, that's a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it was all down to your fixations in earlier (laughs) episodes, Neil, that we are going to be discussing it. So uh, I I seem to remember that... (laughs) I was obsessed with why are the media obsessed with anal Okay. And that's exactly... Although, they do hold a fascination. (laughs) Well, (laughs) we're going to be keeping it as clean as we possibly can. uh, And we're going to be taking as serious a look at this as we possibly can as well. So do join us for that one. In the meantime, keep watching these weird and wonderful crafts and hotel rooms and the skies. And let us know if you see any. We'd love to hear about it. Indeed. Absolutely. Take care for now. Bye-bye. Aliens Explored is a Fiegel Films production in association with Juicy Falls. Music by Darren Mafucci and editing by Stu Jackson. Find us on Twitter and Facebook by searching Aliens Explored or visit aliensexplored.com.